Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we continue our series, Explore God. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. And now also on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right. Good morning, community, and uh, good morning to our digital audience. Um, been a tough week, weekend, huh? But it is good to be here. It is good to be here with each and every one of you. I'll tell you what, here's what I want to do real quick before we kind of jump into the topic. Uh, next weekend's a big weekend. If you don't know this or not, um, next weekend we are having baptisms next Sunday, which is always a uh, great, great, great Sunday here. And if you have not taken that step, let me encourage you right now, grab your program, all right? Grab your program there, and there's an opportunity for you to fill this out. Last Sunday, we actually had someone who was here for the very first time. They heard the topic on, is Jesus really God? And they were like, I think he is. I think I'm in. And they, they actually said, in that case, I'm getting baptized. <laughs> so we had someone who was there first time last Sunday, and they're getting baptized next week. I had someone else who come up, came up to me who, I mean, they've been around here years and years and years. And they're going like, you know what? It is time. It is time. So if you're anywhere in between, I'm telling you, we would love to and encourage you to take that next step. Does that make sense? You will never, trust me on this, you will never regret a step of obedience towards God. You'll never regret that. So think about that, all right? Enough of that. All right, here's where we're gonna start today. Um, I thought maybe we'd start today with a um, uh, kind of a game. And it's a game I'm calling, uh, here it is, here's the game. Is it reliable? Is it reliable? And here's how the game's gonna work. Um, I'm gonna show you a brief video clip And I'll show you this brief video clip of someone trusting either wisely or unwisely in the reliability of an object, and you have to decide, okay, is it reliable? Is it reliable? I think, Steve, I think we need, um, we're going to need a little kind of game show music to set the tone. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that'll work. That'll work. That's about right. Okay, good. Here we go. So I'll tell you, here's the first clip. Are you guys ready? You ready to play? Come on. You ready? Okay, here we go. Uh, here's the first clip. Take a look at this. Is it reliable? <laughs> All right, so we have, we have two guys on one rope, right? Two guys on one rope. Let me give you a thumbs up. Is it, if it's reliable, thumbs up. Is it reliable? There we go. Some are saying yes. If it's not reliable, not reliable. <laughs> okay, let's see what happens. Here we go. Got. All right. Turns out not reliable. All right. Number two. Number two. Um, let's take a look at this next one. Here we go. Clicks and locks into place. Okay. These are steel hinges. Yeah. Perfectly safe. And you can walk up absolutely fine. What could possibly go wrong? This looks like a helpful product. I mean, this is a commercial, right? It must be good, right? How many of you going like this ladder? This reliable, reliable. Reliable, there we go, reliable. How many say not reliable? <laughs> okay, well, let's see what happens. Here we go. And you will see, oh, there we go, that I feel ring. <laughs> I think I've watched that like a dozen times. It hurts every time. Every time. All right, one more. Just one more. Okay, one more. Here we go. Um, Pastor Ian, teaching Pastor Ian Simpkins. Using the hammock the as a prop? To actually using a hammock is what? Is to simply fall back into it. What could possibly go wrong, right? 
I mean, it's a prop. It's a teaching opportunity. How many think that hammock is reliable? How many are going like, no, not reliable? Not reliable? <laughs> All right, maybe you know. You're catching on. Poor Ian. Here we go. <laughs> the trick is to trust the structure. And tr- Oh, dear. <laughs> is to trust the structure. And tr- Oh, dear. <laughs> I love it. It's just, oh dear. And then he just lays there. Oh my. All right. How many of you were, uh, well, we were 03. How many got all three right? All right. Got all three right. All right. Give yourselves a hand. Nicely done. All right. Is it reliable? Uh, I show you these things because I think, I think we want things to be reliable. We long for reliability. I mean, when we get up in the morning, we go out to our car, we want that car to start in the morning. We want it to be reliable, right? Um, relationships. We want it to be trustworthy, incredible. We want relationships to be reliable. Um, our furnace, our furnace in the middle of a polar vortex. We want it to be reliable. Can I get an amen? amen. Absolutely. We want that to be reliable. None of us, okay, none of us want to put our trust in something or someone that's not reliable. And today, our big idea is all about trusting the reliability of something that's very, very, very important. As, as Sherry mentioned, we're doing this series called Explore God. It's been a terrific series where we're exploring some of the biggest questions of God, faith, and spirituality. But today, Today's a biggie, all right? It kind of builds on last week if you're here. And here's, here's the question we're gonna go after. It's this one. Is the Bible reliable? Is the Bible, this thing right here, is it, whether it's in this format right here or you download it right here, same thing, same content, is it reliable? Now, before we can answer this question, I think we have to understand what the Bible actually is. Now, I've had the opportunity to write a few books and <laughs> what I've written is far different than that. And here, there's a number of ways. One way is when you write a book, you have an agreement with this publisher and you have a certain date when the whole manuscript is due and you have to get it to them, the whole book by them for them to start editing. Like let's say September 15th and you got to get it to them September 15th. Now the Bible's different than that. The Bible's actually not just one manuscript that suddenly got done all at once, but it's a collection of 66 books written by 40 authors over the course of a period of more than a thousand years, three different languages from three different continents. And when we open the Bible, okay, when we open this book and we read it, it's like we're eavesdropping. It's like we're eavesdropping on an ancient spiritual conversation between God and his people that continues on and on, even on to today. That's what this is. Or, or maybe, maybe another way to think about this um, <laughs> Who remembers the era of back in, way back in the day we used to have mixtapes? Anybody? Mixtapes? <laughs> All right. Somebody remembers the 80s. Thank you. Um, and because what do you have with a mixtape, right? I mean, you'd, you'd pick your favorite songs, and then you'd find a way where you could get them recorded on, 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 a, on a cassette tape. you go on a road trip, and you had your own favorite kind of songs on that. In some ways, what you have here, this is kind of like a mixtape. This is the, the great and tragic moments with God right in here. And inside here, some of, the, some of it's poetry, some of it's narrative, some of it's letters, some of it's allegory. You, you, you have stories of love and heroism and also cowardice. You have words of instruction and encouragement and, and even kind of correction. And it, it's kind of like a mixtape. It's a compilation put together by God himself. So that's what the Bible is, in short. So now, though, back to our question here. Is this book... 
Is this book, the Bible, reliable? Um, And that is a big, important question. Let me remind you, here's why it's so important. Because most of what we have here, okay, most of what we know about God comes from right here. Most of what we believe about Jesus comes from right here. Most of how we even decide to live as a Christ follower with instructions come right out of these pages here. So this is a very important question we're answering. Now, in the time that we have, and we don't have enough time to cover everything as far as is the entire Bible reliable, so I'm going to want to pare it down. Let's just, let's deal with the New Testament, and maybe in particular, let's just take a look at the Gospels part of the New Testament, which are the four books that are the, the, the stories of the life of Jesus, okay? Is that information there? Is that information there about Jesus in the Bible? Is that reliable? Is it credible? How do we know for sure that that's really trustworthy if we're going to put so much um, at stake and trust in it? I want to start by using a tool that's called, um, kind of a big word here, or a couple of big words, historical criticism, okay? Historical criticism. When I, now, when I say historical criticism, I don't mean we're going to get critical about history. This is actually the practice Uh, It's kind of a scientific practice of investigating the origins of ancient texts. And if we want to know if the Bible is reliable, the first text, the first test, rather, of historical criticism is this. Where did it come from? And specifically, in this case, where did those Gospels come from? Where did those Gospels, those those first four books in the New Testament, where did they come from? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, they're actually called, okay, they're called, we would call them ancient biographies. They're biographies of Jesus, and and they're obviously very, very, very old. And each of these four gospel writers, what they did is they set out to write an account to tell the story of the real person of Jesus. And so we have four biographies that are told, written, each from their own perspective based on, and hear me on this part, this is important, based on eyewitness accounts. For example, Matthew himself was an eyewitness to Jesus' life and told it from a first person. Um, uh, Mark Actually, Mark was actually, he, he got much of what he, he wrote about from Peter, who was an eyewitness. So think about a reporter who has a source. That was his eyewitness source. Luke. Luke was a, 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 a doctor, but also a credible historian. And, and he got his from a number of different sources, eyewitnesses of Jesus' life. And then you have John. John, who's probably as close to him as anybody in Jesus' life, who also was an eyewitness to Matthew. Also an eyewitness, I mean, it's also eyewitness to the life of Jesus, just like Matthew. Now, if all those sources there, all four of those actually had eyewitnesses' accounts, let's compare it against some other things, maybe in a similar time period, that are considered credible, reliable, trustworthy. Like, um, how many of you have heard of Alexander the Great? Alexander the Great. We've heard of Alexander the Great. Okay, may not know a lot about him. Alexander the Great, commonly uh, regarded as one of history's greatest military minds. Whereas with Jesus, we actually have four different eyewitness accounts. We only have one account about Alexander the Great. And it was actually written 400 years after he lived. And almost universally, historians and students will say, no, 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 we buy into those who actually were his military conquests. And so for Jesus to have four accounts, I mean, when you think about it from a scientific, historical, critical standpoint, it passes this first rigorous test. We know exactly where they came from and they got them from eyewitnesses. Very important. Now, another question of historical criticism is this. Are these documents, okay, 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are they actually trustworthy? We know where they came from. We know they're eyewitnesses, but are they actually, are they actually uh, trustworthy? Um, is what they said, okay, originally consistent with what we now have in the copies? Or did something get changed along the way? And part of the way we discover that is by asking this question, okay? Here we go. How many years passed between the original Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the copies that we have today? Well, when you think about classic literature, um, and when I say classic literature, I don't, I don't mean Stephen King, okay? Um, and all you might say it's a classic work or classic book. I'm talking about, when you think of classic, you're talking about um, Greek, um, ancient Greeks or the ancient Romans. Almost all of those, the originals of those texts, the original of those manuscripts, the original are not around. Those have been gone for years and years and years and years. And so what they'll tell you is the gap between the originals and the copies that we have today, if there's a long period of time, a wide gap, well, then there's a good chance that some things may have been altered. But if there's a, if there's a shorter gap of time, then they're probably are more consistent with the original and probably trustworthy, reliable, credible. And so as we begin to look at the Gospels compared to like other uh, classic literature, like let's, let's, let's take a look at this. This makes sense. I think, originally, like Homer's Iliad. The original, it was originally written in 800 B.C. Back then, the earliest copy we have now is 400 B.C. The time gap is 400 years, which most people would say that that's still credible. We still believe that it's pretty consistent with what the original was. Now, the annals, which deal with Roman history, the date that was written was 100 A.D., but the earliest copy we have is 950 years later. But historians still would say, no, I think it's, they would also, most of them lean to, no, I think it's very credible and pretty consistent with the originals. Now, when you compare it, though, look at this. Like John's Gospel, for example. We know it was written in 75 AD. The earliest copies, we actually have these copies. Okay, in museums, we have these copies that date at 125 AD. The time gap is only 50 years. I mean, not, almost, not, almost barely a generation. And so we're going like, no, if that's the case, then what it tells us, if we believe these, we believe these. This is very, 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 very trustworthy. It is reliable. It is credible according to historical criticism. Well, then the second question you ask after that under this category is, okay, what, how many copies do you have? So like Homer's Iliad, there's actually 1,800 of these copies. So they can kind of look at all these copies and go, are those all consistent? That probably tells us if it's consistent with the original. And that's a lot. And that, 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 that factors into this. With the annals, not as many, only 31. Only 31. But they, most would still consider it, that's enough they consider it reliable. What's fascinating with the New Testament, we have more than 6,000. Think about 6,000, okay, copies that, that are consistent with one another that tells us it's probably very, very, very reliable with the original manuscripts. So when you put all of this together, the Gospels pass both the first and second rigorous test of historical criticism. Yes, they do come from trustworthy sources. Now, part of the reason I wanted to kind of go there for a little bit, I believe this is strong scientific confirmation that even if we just focus on these four Gospels, that what we have in these four Gospels of the Bible, they are credible, reliable, and trustworthy eyewitnesses of the life and teachings of Jesus. All right? Okay, let's take a little pause there, okay? I'm going to check in a little bit. How many of you are going like, oh, that was very interesting? Oh, okay, good. Okay, how many are going like, eh, I think you lost me somewhere in the annals, okay? I kind of got lost in some of the annals, so I had to kind of go over this several times, okay? 
But I felt like it was really, really, really important that we deal with this because I think a lot of us were, were wired different ways. And I wanted you to go like, no, huh? when we actually put this up against historical criticism, which is a scientific approach to the, the, the validity and the trustworthy and the reliability of these texts, it passes these tests. I want you to get that. Now we're going to go a little different direction because I think there's another sense in which I think the Bible is also reliable that personally I think is even more important to this conversation. And here is, I think it's summed up in one of the strongest statements in the Bible that is about the Bible, and it's the Apostle Paul. He writes this. And I'll tell you what, let's just say this together in the count of three. Read it together in the count of three. One, two, three. God has breathed life into all Scripture. God has breathed life into all Scripture. In fact, another translation would actually say this. The, 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 they use this phrase, that it is God-breathed. Say that after me, God-breathed. God-breathed, that's right. Now, when it says that this book, okay, is God-breathed, what it's actually saying, it's actually referencing back to the very beginning in Genesis, that when God spoke, the world came into existence. The, the, the birds of the air came into existence. The fish of the sea came into existence. People came. God would speak his word, his very breath. You get this? His very breath was life-giving. Psalms uh, chapter 33, verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were created. Let me illustrate, okay, what I'm talking about. When I say this is, this is God-breathed and what makes this book different. Um, I've had the opportunity to uh, go to Europe several times. A lot of it, we're doing a lot of church planting in Europe these days. Um, however, the, 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 the trip before last, we went to Europe. I went with my wife, Sue, for our 30th anniversary. And we went to Italy. Thank you very much. One person. I got here. That's right. Hey, 30 years, that's a pretty good run. I, I'm hoping to keep this going. Um, but one of the things we loved about going to Italy is we got some advice from somebody who said, hey, whatever you do, go and visit every church. Because the, the, the churches there and the cathedrals are just awesome. I mean, you could be in this out-of-the-way place just in the middle of nowhere, and you go in this church, and it's just spectacular. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the yellow box. It's awesome. But it's not the same kind of awesome, okay, <laughs> as like the cathedrals there. Um, I mean, everyone you go into, I mean, the architecture, it's just spectacular. The detail is so meticulous. I mean, it, they're just breathtaking kind of spaces. And, um, but at the same time, while that's also true about every, I mean, almost every church I go in, every cathedral, certainly, at the same time, there's also a sadness about the churches, because when you walk in, so many of them are just dead. There's few people in there. You can tell that they're making little or no impact in the community, their neighborhood. And it just feels, okay, it feels lifeless. But I remember my, my very first trip to Europe, I was in the UK, and we were visiting a brand new church, and the, church was, the name of the church was called the Epicenter. The Epicenter, kind of a cool name. We went and visited this church, the Epicenter, and it was in a, one of those cathedrals, one of those remarkable, kind of majestic and beautiful cathedrals. They were meeting there. We walk into this cathedral, and different than other experiences, the place is packed, okay, this new church, packed with people, <clears throat> tons of young people. And they're all singing. I mean, they're singing the way we sing. I mean, they're, they're raising their hand. They're, they're praising God. And you, there was just, it was vibrant. And you could tell that these are, this is a group of people who are excited about what God was doing in their life and excited about the difference they were going to make in the community. And it was like this old cathedral just suddenly kind of came to life. 
It was something like this old church began to live and breathe. It was like you could almost feel it inhaling and exhaling. If you can get that picture, in the same way, I want you to think about this old book here, okay? This old book, it can, for some of you, seem cold, and it can seem lifeless, but I'm here to tell you, this ancient collection of stories and poems and laws and letters, when this becomes a place where you meet God, I'm telling you, it breathes life in here. Things come to life inside of you. It is God-breathed. That, that's, why, that's why we call the Bible inspired. Okay, I've gotten to written some, write some books, but, but none of them are inspired. It's just kind of like my best shot at you know, some leadership stuff, right? But the Bible's inspired. And here, N.T. Wright, brilliant theologian, he says this. Inspiration, when we talk about the Bible being inspired, it's just shorthand for the belief that by his spirit, God guided the very different writers and the editors so that the book that they produced, called the Bible, were the books that God intended for you his people to have. This thing is reliable. And I'm telling you, when we pick it up and we begin to read it with an open mind and you begin to read it with an open heart, what happens is you get to meet and you get to experience something that's God-breathed. And, and I'll, here, here's, where this, here's where this question we're dealing with today, I want to take a little different angle. The question is, 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 is the Bible reliable? I think the corollary to that, maybe a better question, let's go to the next slide. What is the Bible reliable for? That's what we really need to ask. What's the Bible reliable for? Because right after Paul says, hey, this book is God-breathed. It can bring life, okay, to you. He goes on and explains, Here, here's, what it's, here's what it's reliable for. God has breathed life into all of Scripture. Hone in on this, okay? Here we go, hone on on this. It is useful for teaching us what is true. This book. It is useful for correcting our mistakes. This book. It is also useful for making our lives whole again. This book. And it's useful for training us to do what is right. And by using Scripture, the servant of God, talking about you and me, can be completely prepared to go out in that world and do every good thing. See, here's the thing. I want you to get this part. I want you to understand the historical criticism part, that it is reliable. It stands up to all those tests. But here's what I want you to really get. God's desire is that these pages, these pages are used to come into your what sometimes feels like empty life. Your life where you're going like, I don't feel like I'm making a difference. Where sometimes, maybe even this morning, you feel lifeless. And to open this up and let him breathe, okay? Breathe into our souls again and bring life, bring us literally kind of back to life. I want, I want you to get this. He says, it's useful for teaching us what is true. In here, I mean, we've got some smart folks in the room. But you know what? In here is some truth that you do not know yet. That you have not yet uncovered. And you need it both in this life and the next. That's just the bottom line. There's some things in here that you don't know that are true. And it's useful for that. It's also useful for, for correcting our mistakes. It's useful for reminding you of stuff you do know, but you forget to do it. Anybody that way? I know the answer, I just don't do it sometimes. And it reminds us that. It corrects, hey, no, 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 you're headed this way. Get back over there. It's useful, look at this, for training us to do what is right. It helps us figure out ways so we can consistently do the very thing that God wants us to do over and over and over again. And I love this part too. And it's useful for making our lives whole again. 
How many, how many of us in here, you know what, there's some brokenness right now. There's some brokenness relationally. There's some brokenness maybe financially. There's some things that aren't working out vocationally. There's brokenness. He said, guess what? I got some of the answers here on how you can make life whole again. The last thing I want is for you to think this is just a collection of words. Now, this is how God speaks into our lives. And, and here's the thing. I want that for you. I want that for you. Let, let me just, whatever authority I have in your life, okay? I'm, I'll, I'll just kind of grovel a little bit here. Whatever authority I have in your life, okay? I'll tell you, for me, this book right here, this book, it has taught me things I did not know. It has corrected me and reminded me, Dave, no, you know better. Get back over there. And, I, and I'm so glad. It, 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 is, it has helped train me and, and give me some discipline about certain things so I can repeat, the, repeat those same behaviors so I begin to do the things God meant for me to do. And, and it brings whole and holiness to my life. And I want that for you guys. There, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a research project. They, they spent a ton of money on this called the Reveal Study. I mean, a ton of money on this to find out what is it that helps people grow spiritually. What is it helps people grow spiritually at different categories and different stages of their spiritual journey? You know what they found out? It's kind of funny they spent all this money. They spent a ton of money on this. What they found out after doing all this survey work, all this homework, they found out this, that reflection on Scripture. If you will just daily reflect on Scripture, it means read it, think about it, apply it to your life. Reflect on, if you will just reflect on Scripture, whether you're, a brand, whether you're brand new <laughs> in the spiritual journey or you've been around forever, it doesn't matter, they found out. This is the best way for you to grow spiritually. And I want that for every one of you. I'll tell you what, let me, let me take a little different tactic, okay? Let me take a little different tactic. Maybe some of you, maybe some of you, you already know everything that's true. Anybody here? Oh, I already got it all figured out. If that's you, you don't need this book. Don't read it. I don't recommend it for you because you've already got it. If... You don't make any mistakes. You know, man, it's been years since I made a mistake, right? Years and years since I made a mistake. If that's the case, you do not need this book, right? Training for what to do is right. If every decision you make, every, every relational choice you make is exactly right, then guess what? You do not need this book. Do not read this book. You don't need it. You ought to be writing it, actually, okay? <laughs> or this last thing here. It's you making your, whole, your life whole again. If you've got no brokenness in your life, it's just kind of like, no, everything works together perfectly every day, day after day after year after year. You do not read this book. I do not recommend this book for you. Okay? You can go, go back home and say, hey, my pastor said I don't need to read the Bible. Okay, that's true for you. But, if you're, but for the rest of us, okay, <laughs> for the rest of us, I'm telling you, th- this is the most accessible but overlooked thing to help you on the planet. Read it and live it. And see if the Bible isn't reliable. Let me give you just a few specific, real, real quick takeaways. Number one, if you have not done this already, here we go. Here it is. If you have not downloaded the Version Bible, download the Version Bible. Okay? Just quit listening to me right now and do that. It's one of the most downloaded apps on the internet. You ought to do that. That way, it's, it's the same thing as this thing, but guess what? You get to take the Bible with you everywhere you go. It has on it all kinds of great reading Bible plans you can both read or listen to while you're on the treadmill doing all kinds of stuff. It's, it's a great, great tool. Do that. 
Let me give you two takeaways. Number one, all right, get a Bible reading program. Get a Bible reading. Maybe you'll get it off version. If you don't want, want to look there, go to our own website. This is the one that I use, our Bible reading plan. It'll show up in your inbox if you go to the website and sign up. It'll show up in your inbox every morning. It'll guide you right through it. We're going through Matthew right now. We're exploring the life of Jesus. This is the one that I use, and I journal every morning. I'm telling you, it just kind of keeps me heading in the right direction. First thing, re- get a Bible reading plan. Second thing, here you go. Second thing, read the Bible in community. Read the Bible in community. Read the Bible by yourself, but I'm telling you, when you start doing this with other folks, with other folks, it will exponentially increase the value of what is in here. Because what will start happening is you'll begin to ask each other questions. You'll begin to search for answers together. You'll begin to help each other discover how God wants to use this book to transform your lives. And you'll challenge one another to live out what God is revealing, you, revealing in this to you. Last, last month in January, across all of our locations, we had 500, 500 people who signed up to join a small group for the very first time. I think that's awesome. Right? And again, I'm assuming you're here because you're going, hey, I want to grow spiritually. If you want to grow spiritually, and I'm kind of coaching you through this, right? Coming here on Sunday, reading your Bible, that's good. But you need, everybody needs to be in a small group. You need to be in a small group. Felt one of the communication cards, stop at our welcome table. We'd gladly, glad to help you get uh, connected in a small group. All right, so there it is. Read it, and then try and live in it. This thing, it breathes, man. I'm telling you, it just, it, it just inhales and exhales into your life, the breath of God. Man, it's good stuff. And this book, it was written, it was written to help you find your way back to God. All right, let's pray. Father God, I just want to say thanks that you're such a good God. Not only do you love us, but then you show up in the person of Jesus, but then you also leave behind this, this book that's this dynamic, life-giving um, kind of text that, that teaches us, that trains us, that corrects us, that brings wholeness to our lives. Thank you so much. You're such a good God. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.